Welcome to Kingdom Builders, where you can learn to live on mission for God. If you want to see more people saved and increase your impact on the kingdom of God, this is the place for you. Every week, we will have guests who are actively living on mission for God, and you will hear practical advice on how you can become better at sharing Jesus with your world. Hello and welcome to uh, Kingdom Builders, where we discover how to live on mission with God. Uh, our guest today is James Keys, the mission pastor at Cedar Crest Baptist Church, and uh, he's going to share a little bit about his story on how he has chosen to live on mission for God. Uh, James, uh, how did you come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Well, just so you know, I come from a very godly heritage. My grandfather was a pastor. My father was also a pastor. And my son is associate pastor at his church. So uh, I, I just come from a very godly heritage. When I was 10 years old, we were living in Rabel, Louisiana. And uh, there just came a time during a revival service where I had some questions and my dad being the pastor, he knew it. And so he, he, uh, sat me down that night before bed and just really shared the gospel in a way that a 10 year old child could relate to it. And, um, and at that point, I just made a conscious decision that, that Jesus was going to be my savior for the rest of my life. And, and so that, that was the thing about you know, even as a 10 year old, I was raised in a godly heritage. I knew I could quote a lot of scripture, even at 10 years old, I could, I could, you know, but it took, it just took him sitting down and sharing the gospel with me in just a way that a 10 year old could, could understand it. And at that point, that's just, I made that decision and never, never turned back. Well, you know, that, that says a lot about him because some, some people, you know, when, when a 10-year-old 10, 10 boy is asking questions, you know, they just kind of play it off as it's not that important, you know. I mean, it's, it's a kid, but because of, of his investment and decision to make that a priority, uh, look at all the people that he has reached through your life. Yeah, and, you know, he was – he preached all over Northeast Louisiana. And it's just funny that you and I are even having this conversation because my grandfather preached several revivals at Penal back in the very, very earliest days of Penal and was even uh, instrumental in founding that church. So it's just funny that here I am talking to you uh, from, from this standpoint. And here I am involved in helping the restart. Of That's right. Church. That's right, and uh, James is a very big help over here at uh, Rescue Community Church. Definitely couldn't do it without him. Uh, so, so as you grew up, at some point in life, everybody has to uh, make a living because we all got to eat. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about how you decided on what your career was going to be. Well, when I graduated from high school, my dad took a church in uh, Oak Grove, Louisiana. So we moved from West Monroe to Oak Grove, and I was actually doing construction work there. I was burying telephone cable, <laughs> which, is, which is, 
I mean, it, it was making, you know, I was making money doing it. And I, right. actually at 18 years old, I was a foreman on the construction crew. And oh. I want to make it sound like that was a big deal. But it, the only reason they made me foreman was because I was the only one that had enough sense to pass the <laughs> driving test to drive a big truck. So, <laughs> uh, But my brother, who is 10 years older than me, his name's Fred, he he would come home. He was a he was a Houston police officer at the time, and he would come home and tell all these war stories about what what he was doing there and how he was, you know, making an impact in the community there where he was working in Houston. And I just started hearing those war stories, and I was like, man, that just sounds like that would be fun. So uh, he helped me through the hiring process there, which is a very difficult hiring process. I was only 19 years old. And uh, when they hired me, I just turned 19. I was one of the youngest that they had ever hired there. And uh, we just, you know, from that point forward, I knew that that was, that was what I was going to do, you know, for my career. I loved it. Uh, had an awesome career. I spent over six years in Houston working the night shift the whole time on patrol. Um, and then after that, after we had our daughter there in Houston, we just decided we didn't want to raise a family. My wife is from here in West Monroe. So we just decided we didn't want to raise our family in Houston. We wanted to come home. So that's when I started applying here for the West Monroe Police Department and got hired there. I got you. Well, uh, so obviously in uh, law enforcement, you deal with uh, a lot of, I guess you would call it uh, sketchy situations, <laughs> you know, dangerous situations, uh, people that uh, really don't behave, you, you know, and when you think about the, the gospel and, you know, how Jesus uh, saves sinners, and then you think about uh, law enforcement, uh, so when, when you were going throughout your, your police duties and, and law enforcement, uh, how did you make opportunities to practice your faith while on the job as a police officer? Well, I always, uh, you know, I've studied leadership my entire career and I always wanted to be, you know, that role model to be a leader. And so I always wanted just to let, you know, I never, never hid the, my faith at all. I always, you know, my faith was out front. Everybody knew where I stood as far as my, my faith was. And I never had any problems, uh, you know, sharing, sharing with people that, you know, that about my faith. And so it didn't take long before you build a reputation that, Hey, you know, if, if you're doing something and you need somebody to pray for you, you know, they call this guy or call that guy. You know, I wasn't the only one there, but you know, it's it very often that I would be the guy that they called and, 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 you know, it's just, it's like when I, when I first started working at West Monroe, I worked in narcotics and I worked in an undercover capacity and, you know, there you're not acting like a Christian at all. <laughs> In fact, you're acting just the opposite, but it's just role playing. And right. you know, I was able to uh, later develop a class where I traveled all over the country training other police officers how to work undercover. And you know, and you just had to tell them, you know, when when you when you are through uh, with the um, when you're done with the um, you know with your role at the end of the day, 
you leave that at work. When you get home, you're, you're who you are. Don't go home and, and try to play that same undercover role while you're home. And some people get so caught up into it that they, they do anyway. Hmm. Hmm. Really? Well, uh, so, so as you began your career in West Monroe as a, as a police officer, how, how did you get in uh, contact with Cedar Crest? Well, it's, uh, it was kind of funny because I just started here. Uh, we were really involved in our church in Houston. Uh, it was a Sugarland Baptist Church there. And our pastor there, his name was Dalton Havard. He was kind of an older guy, but we just loved him to death. And uh, after, well, I just finished up my first undercover assignment here in West Monroe, uh, we saw in the paper where he was pre, where Dalton Havard, our pastor from Sugarland Baptist Church, which was a mega wow. church, he was preaching a revival at Cedar Crest Baptist Church in West Monroe, which was back then only about 40 or 50 people. So we just, you know, it was a God thing for us. We were just like, wow, here's our, our pastor from our big church in Houston. What are the chances that, that he would come here to West Monroe? So, you know, I, being a pastor's kid, I knew how, I knew how it works. When a preacher comes in to preach a revival, the church members often feed them supper and stuff. So I, I called the church here and was like, uh, Cecil Taylor was a pastor. And I was like, Hey, we want you and, and Dalton to come to our house and we feed y'all supper one night. And, and we went to the revival every night just to hear Dalton preach and, you know, talk to him, you know, be around him. And it was just funny because we fell in love with the church while we were here. And, and, uh, you know, I had not been going to church anywhere for a few months because I was working undercover and nobody was even supposed to know that I was around, but mm. Tamara had been visiting another church and just, uh, but it, it was definitely a God thing. God called us to this church. That was in 1982 and we've been here ever since. Well, that's right. And that's, uh, that's a great story about how God uses <clears throat> circumstances to bring us to, to where we are today. Uh, so obviously you mentioned that, that you weren't able to go to church for a while because of, of your undercover work. Uh, what, what are some things that, that you did uh, when you weren't able to go to church to kind of keep up your relationship with God and stay close to him? Well, like, uh, you know, when my first few years in Houston, I was, I had to work every sun, every Saturday night and every Sunday night. Wow. So, that was a really difficult time. And, you know, the main thing is just, you know, doing your best to stay in the word to keep your relationship fresh with him. Uh, and, and like, even, even here, you know, I had to work often had to work every other Sunday or every other Saturday night. And during those times, it's just make sure that you're here whenever, whenever you possibly could be here, make sure you make an effort to be here. And then, uh, you know, make sure that, that you're here every time you, that the doors open that you could possibly be here. And there were times I would even work all night on Saturday night and try to come to church on Sunday morning and just be so tired. <laughs> <laughs> be like, I, just, uh, I finally just quit doing that. But it was just like, you know, it's just, I yeah. finally just made it, made sure that whenever I could be here, I was here. Right, right. Well, uh, 
you know, just in my time uh, knowing you, one of the things that that stands out is just your uh, positive attitude and and your encouraging spirit. And so, how how did you keep that up through the years of being in a career and a job where sometimes you saw the absolute worst in people? Yeah, uh, well, like especially you know, I, I spent sixteen years in narcotics and. And there you do deal with most, most of the people you deal with, they're not, you know, they're not the, the, <laughs> the you know, they're not their gold standard, what you'd consider the gold standard citizen. You Correct. Know, you're dealing with people, but even then, I just learned that you treat people the way that you want to be treated, no matter what the situation, situation. was. As far as, you know, I always wanted work to be fun. And uh, we, we did everything that we could to make it fun. We had a, you know, I, had, I tell you, I had an awesome career. I have no regrets in my career. I, I just, uh, it was a fun thing. And, and just, you know, looking back, I couldn't, I couldn't change a thing and make it any better. Right. Well, uh, obviously, you know, you, you loved your job, you loved the work, but uh, how did you know when it was time to, uh, retire and go into another phase of life? Well, uh, one thing I had my 30 years in at West Monroe <laughs> and for 30 years, uh, in the system that we're in, you, you, uh, you know, you, you maintain 100% of your salary if you retire. So, okay. Me, uh, and, and they say that, you know, when you're ready to retire and, I just reached that point when, and, and I was really concerned that I was going to miss it, but I really didn't. I, you know, I just moved on. I got, I got involved in other things and had hobbies and traveled a lot. And then, you know, those first few years and then, uh, then later, you know, God called us to Denver for a year. So we spent a year there and it's, I never, I never looked back. I just, I always wanted to look forward, look forward. Well, uh, so kind of tell us about how God ended up calling you to Denver. Well, it's a really cool story because uh, we were on vacation with some friends in Colorado and uh, Greg Clark, a senior pastor here, and Lynn Wilson, the administrative pastor, they called us and the friends that we were with, who uh, one of them all also worked at the church and they said, Hey, we're going to meet these two church planters in Denver. And we would like for you guys to come and just sit down with us as we meet them. And my, I actually, my first thought was, Hey, we're on vacation. Why <laughs> would, we, you know, we're in the mountains of Colorado. Why in the world would we want to go to Denver? But, uh, to make a long story short, we did. And we met with, uh, Corbin and Jonathan, the pastors there at the Heights church in Denver. And they, they just shared their vision with us for the day. And, and, you know, we spent the whole day with them and then we, we started, we were driving. So we, after that evening, we started driving home back home to West Monroe from Colorado. And uh, just after hearing Corbin's vision for the church there, uh, you know, they, they really, at that point, had not even planted yet. They were just meeting in an apartment with about 14 people. And, uh, but after hearing his vision, there's just something happening. And God started working on my heart, just saying, hey, um, you need to go back. And so yeah. I started just, you know, praying about it and, and 
was really kind of distraught over how in the world am I going to tell Tamara that <laughs> I moved to Denver. And, and uh, God made it very clear to me that he wanted us to move to Denver for, for one year and, uh, and serve that, serve alongside those pastors and, you know, do whatever we could to help them with that church plant. So that following Sunday morning, we're on our way to church and Tamara looks over at me and says, Hey, what do you think about going back to Denver? Oh, he knew that we were going back for a one week thing in the, in the summer, you know, just, yeah. to, just to go back. And, and I just looked at her and I said, uh, well, God's working on me and he's telling me that we need to move to Denver for a year. And she almost threw up and she didn't talk to me the rest oh. of the day. She was mad. <laughs> just thinking about that. Man, right. leaving home here, our son, uh, who had a, he had a daughter that was four at the time and they were pregnant with our first grandson and oh, we wow. had three granddaughters that lived next door to us. So she was just not happy about leaving the grandkids and moving off to Denver. <laughs> that night I just told her, I said, Hey, we've got to, we, we really need to discuss this. We got to pray about it. And she said, well, just pray for me because I'm not hearing from God the same way that you are. Oh, she had on the same wavelength. <laughs> So we both went to bed that night, uh, woke up the next morning. I always go to the back bedroom, do my Bible study there. So I'm in my Bible study. I was actually in second Timothy. I'll never forget. Cause you know, sometimes you're reading, it'll redirect you to another part of the Bible. And, and the scripture that I read in second Timothy redirected me to acts chapter 11. That's where, uh, Barnabas as, is. is He's in Tarsus, but he's trying to go find Paul, who he calls Saul in that scripture. He says, I'm going to find Saul, and we're going to go to Antioch for one year. And so when I saw that, I was just like, oh, yeah. And, it said, and the Bible said that they did this tremendous work there for a year. So I just, I'd already told Tamara, God's calling us there for a year. Oh, so wow. I found the Bible in where she was doing her Bible study in our bedroom. I just laid my Bible in her lap and I said, you know, you got to read this. I was not looking for this. God just revealed this to me. And so she reads it and she just looks up at me because I'm standing there beside the bed and she looks up at me and she said, it's not fair. And I said, what do you mean? It's not fair. And she says, because I'm doing my Bible study and it's all about being a submissive wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that you is so bored after that and uh we packed up everything in the house in a u-haul truck and moved to denver colorado for a year and served right alongside those guys and that church now is just thriving uh, really doing really really well they bought a building near downtown just in the past uh couple of years and just really really doing excellent those those two guys just but the year we were there, we watched it grow. It was about 40 people when we moved there and about 250 when we left. So oh wow. It really, really grew and was just really thriving, even even much better than that now. How was your um wife's response after y'all left Denver? Was she glad that y'all went? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean it it really did us good too, just to get away for a year, serve, you know, where we were just focused on serving there. Uh, right. we didn't have any, really any other responsibilities. So we were able to, you know, we would 
we would have things in our house quite often, you know, for the young married couples, we'd host Bible studies and, and just, you know, the, the pastor himself, we had a, a Bible study on uh, one morning out of the week in our house with just a bunch of guys. And, you know, of course, Tamara would get up. She's, she's a doer. So she'd get up and, and fix breakfast for everybody. Oh, yeah, I don't wow. them all spoiled by the, by the time the Bible study was over. Well, hey, that Bible study was long. It lasted for quite a while. So, really? we did, yeah, we did every week for a long time. That, uh, yeah, that breakfast speaks to everyone, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so when when y'all came back, uh, how did how did it come about that you started becoming the uh, missions pastor at Cedar Crest? Well, shortly after after I came back, um, you know. I, uh, while we were in Denver, one of the young couples here asked if I would, if I would uh, perform their wedding ceremony. And, uh, you know, I came back here, I, I told them, I said, I'm not ordained or even, you know, uh, you got to be ordained or at least have some sort of uh, Correct. certificate to, to perform a ceremony. And uh, so I talked to, to Greg about it and he was like, well, if you'd like to be ordained, we'll just, we'll just ordain you. So, uh, we, we prayed about it and thought about it. And I thought, well, that's, and, and even then I was not on the payroll of the church, but, uh, they put me through the ordination ceremony and, and I became an ordained pastor here. And, um, and shortly after that, uh, it's just one day, Greg just approached me at a meeting. I was, I was still doing mission stuff. I was, even when I, even prior to going to Denver, I was on mission here for Cedar Crest. I would go to Bulgaria okay. here. And, you know, so I'd, I'd been involved, heavily involved in missions throughout, throughout all my years here. And, uh, and Greg just approached me and said, Hey, how would you like to be our missions pastor? And I said, well, I'm not looking for a full-time job. And he said, well, how about a part-time job? So right. that was, that was the capacity that they hired me in to do missions and outreach here and do some leadership training here too. And, and it just, it was right where I, you know, it was right in the, the place where I wanted to be at the time. And, and so since then, uh, just this year, they expanded my time a little bit more so I could do more compassion stuff, which includes, the Balkanville area. That's right, so, my people. Uh, now I'm, um, I've expanded my hours a little bit more and able to get out there and help you guys. That's right, and it is uh, such such a blessing, and and it's amazing how that that passion and uh, and and gifting that you had before uh, translated into this this missions pastor role. Because I mean, just from speaking with you and your work in, in the community, I can tell that that is definitely uh, something that God, an area that God has gifted you in. Um, well, so as you uh, retired and, you know, you think about your law enforcement career, uh, it, is there one instance, you know, maybe of one person that you can think back of uh, throughout your whole career that maybe, maybe they talked with you after you retired or maybe it was during your time uh serving as a police officer but is is there one success story um that maybe you could share of someone that was 
you know, on the wrong road. And then, you know, hey, God brought them to the right road. Uh, probably my favorite success story is uh, it's not not necessarily through the law enforcement, but it's through our college ministry here. I, I was, uh, Tamara and I had been involved in some form of ministry here just about the whole time we've been here, either right. or college or something. But uh, many years ago, we were doing the college ministry here, and we also had an orchestra in our church. And uh, two young men, one of them went to church here, and the other one did not go to church here and was not, he was not a Christian. And, and uh, he's, he started coming here just to be part of the orchestra. He played an instrument, and he didn't, he didn't really care about church. He just wanted to play. Okay. So, so he started coming here and he started coming to our college ministry stuff too, just to be with his buddy, you know, and uh, it's just funny. We developed, you know, and I think a lot of times it's about developing that relationship first. And we did that. We developed a good, strong relationship with him. And then later uh, just it, through his coming here and through listening to God's word being preached to him, coming to our life group class, listening to that, that Bible study each week, he just, he just fell in love with it. And he started to really thrive on, on getting into God's word. And, you know, and eventually he wound up getting saved and, and, uh, that guy is Frank Valenzano. He's the pastor at, uh, at oh, first, nice. first West Fairbanks now. Wow. But, Frank actually went down to Walker, Louisiana, and was he was a worship pastor there for a while because of his music background. Then he became a, a pastor and planted a church down there that's still doing well down there. So it's just seeing that, how God has connected those dots through, through him and what, you know, because of God's plan had us involved in part of that relationship building and part of that, you know, getting to, to help him understand about, you know, his, him coming to know the Lord. It just, that's probably one of the greatest. I always think of Frank when they say, what, what's the best success story you know, now he's planted a church. He's, you know, he's, you know, just so much has come out of, that building that relationship with somebody that had no desire to come to church because he wanted to be a Christian, but yet God had a plan for him all along. Well, you know, that, that's a great example of how a, a lot of times in the church, we're, we're always needing people to do stuff. You know, we're needing gifted people to sing or to preach or to outreach to other people. And, and it's amazing that, uh, when we share the gospel with people and when the gospel touches people, those people fill those voids quite nicely yeah. and bring their gifts to, to the table. Yeah. And I, I have put people in prison before because of dealing drugs. And after they do their prison stint, they call me up and go, Hey, that's the best thing that ever happened to me was you arresting me. You know, really? Because I got saved while I was in jail or saved while I was in prison. I had one guy did, four years for selling marijuana to me uh some pretty large quantities he did four years in prison he got out and became a he can became a youth minister at one of the churches not too far from where you're at now oh wow you know it, it's amazing 
what God can use to touch people. Yeah. You know, uh, with, with Frank, it was just his desire to be with his friend at church and with this other guy, he needed a little time, you know, and, and, uh, and so it, it's amazing that, that God is not restrained, you know, in, in what he uses to, to reach us. And, and it should, it's comforting that he can use anything and anybody, uh, yeah. just like you, uh, you know, if you think about probably the normal situation in, in America, uh, you work hard your whole life so you can have a good retirement to, um, have a, you know, relax and chill out. And here you are, you're, you're the missions pastor at this uh, church. And I know for a fact, you got a big job because you work with me a lot and that's a big job. But, uh, so, so, uh, what, what kind of advice would you have to people who maybe are, uh, getting in those retirement towards that retirement age on how to spend, uh, maybe their last years and the free time they have? Well, that's a really good question. I think it's different for everybody. You know, I think, I don't think that any of us, you know, I don't, I don't think that God ever said, you know, well, you're old and you're retired. <laughs> so, so you don't have to do anything anymore. You know, I often think of my dad who right up to the very end, he was preaching somewhere, you know, and, and he tried to retire like four different times and just wow. kept getting called back to different churches to serve. And, and uh you know right up to the right up to the bitter end until he just could absolutely couldn't do it anymore um you know he was he was there serving so and i i'm you know i may not always be uh, a missions pastor at cedar Crest, but i'll always be serving in some capacity somewhere right right and uh i think that is some uh some very good advice and uh James, I would like to, to thank you for uh, coming on our podcast. And, um, and if you would like to, to get in touch with James, you can contact uh, Cedar Crest Baptist Church on Facebook, their website, or, or give them a call. But uh, thank you for listening to uh, Kingdom Builders and discovering how to live on mission for God.